Hi there. I want to talk about emotional eating in this episode. Emotional eating. What causes emotional eating and how to stop it? That's what we're going to talk about. And I'm going to glean a lot of this uh, just from my own personal experience with emotional eating and food addiction and uh, how I was able to break that unhealthy relationship with food and uh, explain a little bit of the science behind that and then just give you some tips on what you can do to start breaking the ties of emotional eating if this will apply to you. But before I dive in there, My name is Lene Urban. I'm a nutrition and lifestyle coach, and I'm all about this thing that I call rest-based weight loss, which is a very gentle and natural and effortless approach to weight loss that seeks to sort of tackle weight loss at the root, at the root issue, which uh, weight gain and weight issues are, uh, they come from an imbalanced metabolism and uh, an elevated stress. So if we can de-escalate stress and we can balance the metabolism, then the weight issues will naturally begin to fix themselves. Uh, It's more than just diet and exercise. There's a lot more to that. So rest-based weight loss seeks to look at weight loss from a holistic perspective and uh, also look at what lifestyle areas need to be changed specifically in order to uh, allow the body to let go of weight naturally and effortlessly And so that leads me to uh, a quiz that I put together, and it's a stress health quiz. It's a quiz for you to be able to find out which areas of your lifestyle are currently contributing to your your weight issues, to your health issues. Uh, When it comes to emotional eating especially, you can actually probably find out some information right away about which uh, areas of your lifestyle may be contributing to your emotional eating. So that you, you may be able to find that out. So go to operationfixmylife.com slash stress health quiz to take that quiz and take a look at those lifestyle areas, okay? Okay, so let's talk about emotional eating. Let's talk about uh, where that comes from and the science behind that. And I'll, I'll once again, this is coming just basically from, from my own story and my own personal experience. And hopefully you'll be able to glean from that and hopefully you'll be able to relate. But when I was growing up, um, I was, you know, I was, uh, just, I was happy for the most part. I was happy. I grew up in a, a loving home with really super loving parents, you know, that provided stability and everything for my sister and I. And so I didn't grow up in a home where I was taught how to eat emotionally. I had a conversation with a friend a few weeks ago and she was saying how um, her mother was an emotional eater. And so her and her siblings, you know, they pretty much learned uh, their behavior with food based on how they saw their mother treat food. But I didn't grow up in a home like that. Um, my, I, I grew up in a home where, you know, my, my parents were very, uh, stable and emotionally supportive and those types of things. However, I associated as a young kid, I associated happiness with food. And that was because I was always drawn to family and being with family, like getting together with my family, you know, on my mom's side or my dad's side and like all of us being together in like this huge family setting and having a good time together. There, there was always food involved in that. And so I, as a young kid, I grew up starting, beginning to associate happiness with food. 
And one of the stories that I tell is that as I kind of got older and as I, you know, as I started to experience like different emotions, especially, I found that every time I was feeling down or feeling sad or feeling frustrated uh, or feeling insecure, food always helped me feel better. Food always turned that around for me. So this like quickly escalated into if you're happy and you wanna celebrate, like include some food. If you're sad and miserable and you need to feel better, include some food. So I grew up eating when I was happy and eating when I was sad. I was eating all of the time. One of the stories that I frequently tell when I talk about my my background and what led to like my weight issues, one of the stories I frequently tell is that after my parents got a divorce and I went off to college, I was homesick, number one. Number two, I didn't feel like I could go back home. So I turned to then food. I turned to food, especially the food, the types of foods that I grew up eating. I turned to food in order to cope emotionally, like to bring me comfort. And that completely just solidified the relationship I had with food right there. Um, I didn't, as a kid, I didn't need food to feel happy or I didn't need food to not feel depressed. But after my parents split up, I needed food. Like I needed it. I needed it um, because I was so just emotionally, I was homesick and I was emotionally distraught uh, and I was, you know, missing my family and everything. So I needed food. I needed food for happiness. I needed food for comfort and all those things. And then that just continued to escalate, you know? Um, One of the things that I don't think a lot of people, other people experience, but I had my first, you know, I had my first baby when I was still in college. I had Imani when I was in the middle of college. So I essentially went through like a a body change (laughs) at at the age, you know, that you go from like being a teenager into your, your young adulthood, your early adulthood. You know, my body was changing at the same time that I was pregnant. So my weight began to escalate and to increase very quickly because of not just having a baby, but then also because of this unhealthy relationship with food. And emotionally, even after college, uh, I continued to struggle. I struggled, I continued to struggle with my relationship. I struggled financially. I struggled with, um, still with the fact that um, my I, I didn't have a home. I was far away from home, couldn't go back home, et cetera, et cetera. And so that all, all of that just made all of this worse. It just made it all worse. Like my relationship with food became so out of control um, that I uh, that I started th- you know throwing up sometimes because I would eat so much I became extremely gluttonous, um, and and so the difficulty then when you know after I had after I had my my second baby and I gained like with Kayla I gained like. 60 pounds. I gained 60 pounds with Kayla. I was up to 190 pounds at the end of my pregnancy with my second daughter. And I'm only 5'2", with a real, like, as you can see, like with a small frame. So 190 pounds, like, I don't know, you can see, (laughs) I'm probably like, I don't know, 118, 119 right now. So imagine being like, you know, 
70 pounds heavier than this. I mean, I was massive on this little 5'2 frame. Um, and so I, I had a, a, an extreme, uh, you know, after I had her, like it was so hard to get the weight off. And everything that I tried to decrease my weight, everything that I tried to change my body, it wouldn't work for longer than a certain period of time because it was my emotional eating. It was my emotional addiction to food. It was my, my food addiction that kept me from really being able to make sustainable changes. That even if I started some sort of exercise program or something or started going to the gym or, or doing whatever I had to do, like the changes wouldn't last. I would always go backwards. And it was because of this unhealthy relationship with food. So for, for people there, I'm, I'm sure that there are emotional eaters that can't directly identify with my story, but the science for both of us, the science is the same. And that science is whenever you start um, ingesting or consuming things, food, uh, alcohol, drugs, whatever it is, sex, uh, it, it could be anything. Whenever you start consuming, putting things into your body, or exposing your body to things for the sake of experiencing pleasure, for the sake of experiencing escape, from, uh, from whatever depressive feelings or negative emotions you might be having, then it doesn't take very long for your biochemistry, for your hormones to begin to develop an addiction to that thing in order to feel pleasure. So what does that mean? That means that people, let's say for example, uh, people who smoke weed, um, in order to feel more relaxed, in order to feel more tranquil, in order to feel less anxious, whatever hormones they were producing naturally that uh, are purposed to make them feel, to make you feel less anxious and to bring down stress and to make you feel more relaxed, those hormones begin developing a dependency on weed or a dependency on that drug or that stimulus in order to feel like that. And, and so this is why um, people can like start drinking or doing drugs or start eating, uh, using that as a coping mechanism, try to give it up, try to walk away from it, try to quit it, and then uh, find, themselves for, uh, find themselves more anxious or find themselves depressed, find themselves starting to struggle with other mental health issues that they didn't know were present because they were using food to cope or drugs to cope or alcohol to cope. So the biochemistry, no matter how you enter this place of being emotionally addicted to food, the biochemistry is the same. Food becomes your source of pleasure. You cannot, your body cannot develop and uh, release the pleasure hormones on their own. They need that stimulus. They need the food. They need the chocolate. They need the ice cream. You know, the body needs those things in order to feel pleasure. And that's what emotional addiction to food is. That's how it develops. So what's the answer? How can we sever those ties? Well, we have to put our hormones back in a position to be able to do their job. 
So we have to we have to uh, sort of reset our biochemistry in order to break the reliance on food to to feel pleasure and to bring us happiness and to start relying on either uh, on our, our, our own individual, our personal hormones and, or just other lifestyle strategies that can elevate those same hormones. So for example, if we want to feel pleasure, if we want to feel happiness and excitement, then what we need to do is we need to figure out another way to stimulate the release of dopamine uh, a, another way that's not illegal, you know, a way that's not self-destructive and damaging. Uh, we need to figure out another way. So I mentioned the day before yesterday, all the days are blurring together, but I mentioned a couple days ago in the episode that I, when I was talking about, when I, uh, interrupted to talk about chocolate and chocolate lovers, um, Chocolate is one of those, chocolate has properties and chemicals that release dopamine. Chocolate has properties and chemicals that release pleasure hormones and hormones, you know, the, 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 the hormones that you feel like when you're in love. So what we can do then is we can seek that dopamine release from, let's say just pure cocoa as opposed to chocolate. Cocoa, cocoa powder or cacao powder doesn't have the fat and the sugar that chocolate does, but it still has the chemical that elevates dopamine. Do you know what I mean? So in order for you to break your emotional ties with food, uh, the, the, the very last thing that you need to do, the very last thing that you need to do is to just cut those foods out of your life completely because then your emotions are going to just go out of control. Your emotions are going to go out of whack. And then you're just going to end up binging on that food. You're just going to run back to it. You're going to binge on it and it's not going to be pretty. It's going to start a really unhealthy cycle. So don't give up. Don't give up those foods that you're addicted to without replacing them. You have to replace the role that those particular foods play in your life. So that means that you have to take each of those foods and you have to break them down into what it is that you are actually using those foods for. So if you're using those foods to fill you up and give you fuel, okay, all right, so that's one bucket. If you're using those foods to feel emotionally better, then that's another bucket that you're going to have to find some other activities or something else to replace that with. You can't just give up the foods that are making you feel better without replacing them with something. And I think that's a a really big mistake that a lot of people make when they try to uh, start a weight loss journey or start to change their their diets and their exercise and everything is they just start taking and depriving themselves of things without replacing without replacing it. By the way, this also applies to drugs and alcohol. <laughs> These this would also apply to drugs and alcohol. Um, but, uh, so, so that's, you know, that's the first step, like break up, try to figure out, okay, I use food to fuel me. I use food to make me feel better. So let me shift over to foods that are going to fuel me without giving me all the extra calories. And then let me shift over to activities that are going to make me feel better to replace that emotional attachment that I have to food. Um, what does that look like practically? Uh, it, it, it looks like 
it looks like um it looks like digging into the specific types of macronutrients that can release those feel-good hormones, but only eating just enough, like just enough of those macronutrients and not any more that will then push like your calories over the edge. So carbohydrates, carbohydrates, especially salty carbohydrates, chips, potato chips, uh, french fries, <laughs> okay, those salty carbohydrates make you feel good. Salty carbohydrates bring happiness. And so a lot of people will say, oh my gosh, I'm hungry and I'm feeling depressed. I'm going to order a cheeseburger and french fries. And so what I'm saying is that you need to break up those two things. You need to break up those two things. So if you're hungry, you don't eat a cheeseburger and french fries. You don't seek the pleasure and the happiness plus the fuel at the same time. You seek those two things individually. Protein, vegetables, fruit, water, healthy fats, those are good for hunger. But for pleasure, chocolate, a little bit of dark chocolate, cocoa powder mixed in hot water or hot, or hot almond milk, those are good for making you feel pleasurable, but without all the calories, like without you know the tons of calories that like a cheeseburger and french fries would provide. So there's a lot, there's a lot to this and there's a lot, um, there are a lot of different avenues that you can go, especially based on where you're at right now, just based on your lifestyle and, and the foundation of your lifestyle. So if you wanna know, if you wanna learn more about this, then I would highly encourage you to take the quiz and fill out the quiz and then uh, and then follow, join the, the email list so that you can start to get more information about different tips and strategies that will be more applicable to you and the steps that you specifically have to take in order to break the ties of emotional eating, okay? So once again, that quiz is operationfixmylife.com slash stress health quiz. I'll link it in the description of this episode. That's all for now. There's so much more I can say about this, but I don't have the time. <laughs> I don't have the space, but I will be coming back. We'll be talking more and more about emotional eating this year. All right. Thank you so much for watching. Thanks so much for listening. I look forward to seeing you next time. Oh, 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 oh,